Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Thoughtful and critical applications and discussions around our Sunday message. And uh, today we're joined by Pastor Lydia, uh, co-founder of 180 Church and pastor of transformation as well as wife to dr sammy to talk about our relationships and i guess one of the questions we are asking for this week is how are your relationships um a lot of the times we tend to find ourselves busy with the life that we're living all that with wrapped up in all of our endeavors goals whatever ambitions we have in mind and sometimes relationships seems to fall in the back burner of our lives And maybe you might find yourself feeling a little bit lonely or depressed or even anxious when it comes to the quality of our lives. And, you know, a lot of that can come back to why and how we do relationships and why it's so important in our lives. And so we're here joined by Pastor Lydia to talk about our recent sermon on what it means to develop and build sacred friendships so that we can live full and very flourishing lives and relationships with one another and to really experience that love through uh, blatant sacrifice and through deliberate proximity with one another. So here's Dr. Sammy. Today's passage is from John 15, 9 to 16. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is the word of the Lord. Today's sermon is given by Dr. Sammy D. Kim, a co-founder of 180 Church NYC, a bioethics fellow in global health and social medicine at Harvard Medical School, and a regular contributor at Christianity Today. So I had a pretty serious conversation with my 12-year-old son this week, or sometime this month. I can't exactly remember. Um, as you get older, you'll realize your memory goes. That's because, my, you know, I, I even forgot the name of my wife this week. Like, I was like, Mom, I mean... What's your name? <laughs> you forgot. Yeah, because I call her honey or babe, and I never call her by her name. Like, if I say Lydia, I'm like, who are you? It's like, and then, you know, it, at home, because of text messages, like, we have it on mom or dad. So sometimes I think my name is dad, you know, and, and that's what I am called at home, dad, 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 dad. You know, and I, I told you that there's a cacophony orchestrating around the house all the time. Um, and usually when my son feels like he has an epiphany about life, which is every five minutes, or, you know, when I'm home, you know, it's just like, Dad, i, I got to talk to you about something. Nef- I, I believe Netflix 
is going to die. And I, I, it piqued my interest because, you know, you want to hear from the Uber, you know, uh, I don't know what they're called now, generation about, you know, the pulse of the economy because, you know, it's like, I was thinking about buying some more Netflix stock. And it's like, why do you think it's going to die? Maybe it's not in, and he goes, because this show is being taken off. <laughs> I'm like, wait, 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 wait. How do you know what Friends is? Dad, everybody knows what Friends is. But you weren't born in the time it was, it, you know, it was playing, and you shouldn't know because you don't even know what live TV is because he doesn't understand what it means to watch at a certain time. He watches on Hulu or Netflix, right? <clears throat> he goes, Dad, we all watch it, and primarily reason for Netflix existence, existential existence, is for all of us to stream friends from season one to whatever it is. I was like, this doesn't make any sense, right? <clears throat> My question to you is, why is a show from the 90s still so compelling to a 12-year-old in junior high school today that he believes the death of Netflix is coming as a result, that being the streaming license will be taken away? And I, could, I tried to fathom and frame this problem, and I came to a conclusion. I think relationships still is the center of everything. I think everybody still longs to be in a community that's lifelong. I think no matter if you're 6 or 12 or 24 or 100, you want to be friends with Joey. You want to be friends with Phoebe. And the rest of the characters I don't remember anymore. <laughs> You know, my friend from Regent College, it's a professor, he was, he was training to be a physicist, and I, and I use this quote all the time, but I think that it really uh, crystallizes the function of existence, both ontologically, meaning what's, what's in our heart, who we are, the essence of who we are, and cosmologically, the reason why everything is. Daryl Johnson says, at the center of the universe is a relationship. For this we were created, and for this we were redeemed. Which means that in the Christian narrative, the central piece of Jesus' mission is to redeem our relationships with each other, with one another. Because truthfully, this is the concrete jungle. Tell someone this is the concrete jungle. I don't want to be your friend. I want to kill you. This is the jungle, people. You might be competing with me for a fellowship at Harvard. Well, I got that already, so I won. But, all right. But you might be competing for me for a job. Your SAT score and your GRE score, and if you want to be an investment banker or an artist, you're my competition, and I want to knock you out or drug you. I don't know. I'll do something. We're, comp we're competitors. It's the jungle. This is the urban jungle. I don't want to be your friend. So in the Christian narrative, it takes enemies who are opposed to each other for a goal. And it smooths out the edges. It makes them a family. makes them a community. And no matter what environment we live in, we want this community. It's the center of, because 
the very ontological existence of reality is created from the very fabric of what we call the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is what reality is, a relationship, right? Everything, if you're, if you're a seeker today, you're investigating faith, and you have questions about the reality of God, everything is a relationship. You don't even look at the Bible. You don't even need to look at a show like Friends, right? The solar system, our solar system exists. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, exists because of relationships between stars and planets. The reason why there's photosynthesis, why there's food, why there's oxygen, is the relationship between the sun and the earth. All source of life, all source of light, all source of energy comes from the sun. There's nothing in this ecosystem that does not involve an interdependent relationship with one another. If you study the law of thermodynamics, you study physics, and medicine is going into this along with science, with MIT and Harvard partnerships, that in a sense, we are all, in a fundamental level, all connected. That is empirical. Not religious, empirical. Tell someone, we're connected. I mean, I want to be connected with you further and get deep in a deeper level, but we're already connected. Not as, as only as a species, not only as human beings, but we're connected. But yet, but yet, depression is at all-time high. Mental illness is accelerating at a pace we can't even fathom anymore. Yet people feel disconnected and lonely more than ever before even though there's 23 million people in this metropolitan jungle. And so there's all these people, but we want more. And we look at these shows like Friends and How I Met Your Mother. How many people watch How I Met Your Mother when it came out, right? Yeah, yeah, you know. I couldn't get It's Gonna Be Legendary out of my mind for, I don't know, so long after I watched that show. But anyway, um, for those of you who've seen it. But, but here's my point. My point is, everybody wants community. But a lot of people, based on the data, big data, don't know how to get it. Everybody wants close friends, but they're unsure how to attain that. These basic things in life are very difficult to understand. So today, what I want to talk about is a biblical, biblical factors of developing long-term friendships, sacred relationships. Because at the, center of the at the center of the universe is a relationship. For this, we were created. And for this, the Christian narrative redeems us to love one another in a deep way. So let's look at this passage. So what are some of the factors, determinants of lifelong friendships from the lens of Jesus' life? And I think that if you paid attention to the characteristics of lifelong friendships, we would soon learn that we missed very obvious things about Jesus' relationships with his disciples and close friends around his life. Because a lot of times we miss the obvious environments in which we 
seem to be drawn to. There's a propensity, like my son still loves Friends, there's Seinfeld, there's you know, other shows, and we'll go into that soon. But there's this propensity in the human heart that wants more to life than what we have now. We want closer friends. We want, you know, we want to be in love with our significant other. You know, and you go, how's your relationship? I asked a friend, how's your relationship doing? Oh, that's all right. So what could be better? Well, my husband could be more romantic. You know, he could buy me roses and flowers, take me to a nice restaurant. He used to open the door for me. Now he doesn't. He just shuts it. He doesn't even see me. So what, you're not satisfied? No, I want more. But we, it's not enough that, see, when you're, when you're alone, all you want is a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I would be happy. And then you get the boyfriend, you get me, and I'm not happy with him. Why not? He's not doing enough. What is he not doing? He's not passionate enough. He's not spending enough money. He's not paying attention to me. He's always on his phone. ESPN. Those are death, you know, that's just terrible. What's more interesting about ESPN than me? You used to, I used to get all your attention. And so there's something in the human heart that wants more. It's, not, it's just not enough. We want more attention, more intimacy, more, con we, I mean, it's just. And you look at Jesus' life and you begin to see it's the ecosystem that Jesus built. And in, in, in what you begin to realize is that a fish doesn't know it's in water. And if you really study the, the anthropographic environment of Jesus' friendships, though that, that nuanced layer, it's something I think Christians miss. The church missed for a long time. And I think that's the reason why we have such shallow relationships in the church. So let's look at this. And Jesus says this. Jesus says in verse 15, I no longer call you what? Servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. And historically here, if you're new to the church and you've never read the Bible, this is a moment in, in, in the book of John where Jesus has spent now three plus years tell someone next to you living with the disciples. How many, how many, how many people here have roommates, whether one, your spouse, or co-roommates who live with you, right? How many people have roommates? Raise your hand if you have roommates in your life. Okay. Do you love your roommates? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. <laughs> How difficult is it to live with someone? Even if you're married, it's difficult. I'm, it's not difficult for me. I have the perfect person I'm living with. <laughs> Told you sarcastic is my love language. But, um, you know, I meant to me, I, I'm perfect. I'm perfect. No. But, uh, I'm not. but um, you know, I mean, Jesus lived with 12 dudes. See, in, in, in the Western modern Postmodern, 21st century here in New York, a lot of us think of Jesus' relationship with his disciples. Oh, yeah, they gathered together at a cafe like a Starbucks. And then they went home. No. In the contextual understanding of the New Testament, Jesus didn't have a home. He lived nomadically with his disciples for three years. N not much privacy. Why do you think the Bible says that Jesus got sick of them and went to pray many times? <laughs> So I just need, I, Peter, that guy talks way too much. And John is way sentimental. You chill out, man. You too much drama right now. He went and prayed to the Father. Father, oh my God, do you know who I'm working with here? I mean, you see this in the New Testament. You see Jesus moving away. There was no privacy. 
Something that the first world here in New York and metropolitan cities treasures most. The sense of autonomy, our privacy, having my own bed, having my own life, having my own space. And we treasure that autonomy. And we treasure it deeply, but it comes at a cost. One of the reasons why so much loneliness exists in our culture versus the first century in Jesus' culture is that we live isolated. And because of material good and the in a service revolution, market-driven economy, we've attained a lot of wealth. If you make $30,000 today, a lot of people wouldn't consider that a lot of money. So if you have a minimum wage job that pays $15 an hour, you're considered in the one percentile of the income earners in the planet. Tell someone I you, I didn't know I was rich. <laughs> Tell someone, I didn't know I was rich, I'm rich. So if you go to college today, you're guaranteed to make double that, most likely, when you get out. That means you'll be in the 0.5 percentile of income earners in the world, which makes you rich, which also gives you a sense of autonomy. And so this, this navigation here of Jesus in the context, embedded in the, the secret relationships of why Jesus is so close to his friends was because they were living together. They spent every moment together. They talked about spiritual things. Then they talked about natural things. And then they did mother jokes. And then they did, you know, I mean, all kinds of silliness that happens in when you live with people and your roommates and you're eating every single meal. If you read the New Testament, almost half of it is eating, Jesus eating with disciples, or eating in someone's house. So, what I would suggest is, if you look at the text carefully, it says that in verse 16, he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. But look at the word appointed and chosen. I chose you. It was deliberate. Tell someone deliberate. So if you're going to develop a lifelong friendship, it has to be deliberate. It doesn't happen by chance. And studies have shown this. You can have friends. It's much more difficult to make friends as you go out of school, out of the workplace. Why? Because it's not convenient anymore. Because in medical school, you have friends. In college, you have friends. Right? And you maintain those friendships because they're there. But the, the main characteristics of this setting is that it's, it's deliberate proximity. They were there all the time. Like this all the time. So for example, Seinfeld, which is really the, it's, it's this Seinfeld, Big Bang Theory, How I Met Your Mother, Friends, really is a spin-off from Seinfeld. If someone to describe what Seinfeld really is, well, what would you say it is? Some of you might not even know what Seinfeld is, or maybe Nathan knows too, I don't know, but communities, <laughs> it's a major theme. Seinfeld, from a syndication from 1995, has made $3.1 billion. That's not live TV on a major network. That's just reruns on CBS, TBS, all their channels. $3.1 billion, $186 million a year. People are still craving for the show, and I quote, that's about nothing. You watch a, a, you know, you watch a show of Seinfeld, you have no idea what the plot is. Because there is no plot. It's just about everyday life, from the moment you wake up to the moment you sleep, and it's about that. And 
the context of those relationships every day. And a lot of people resisted the, the, the script at first in NBC because they're like, who's going to watch a show about nothing? There's no Rambo, there's no Terminator, there's no hero. How is Jerry really interesting? And the point is, he's not interesting. That's what makes his life interesting. It's this mundane. And if you look at the show carefully, like Big Bang Theory with Sheldon Cooper, at, he works at Caltech with Leonard, his co-genius. You know, Leonard's supposed to have 173 IQ. Uh, Sheldon's supposed to have 187. He always rubs it in everybody's face, right? And then there's a, a waitress named Penny that gets married to, to you know, Leonard one day. But the whole point of it is the show is not about how smart they are. It's not even about physics. They talk about string theory, blah, 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 Caltech. It's about relationships and how those relationships define them. In the end, it doesn't matter what you achieve in life. It's, again, about who you're in relationship with. But if you look at this sofa, which is the sequence actually in the sofa is wrong, because Leonard should be sitting, I mean, uh, Sheldon should be sitting in the right, left side. This would create panic in the show. But the whole point is this sofa is sort of the whole point of the show. The whole show is shot in this living room. How many people here go to a living room of someone you know every single day of, of your life? Or a coffee shop? or someone's house every day to meet up with them, to talk about, hey, how your day went. I don't have that many people ask me how your day went anyway. But that's, that's the setting. The setting of every single show that we love, that made billions of dollars, always starts in that close proximity. They're there all the time every day. I don't know how they end up in their living room, but they do. They eat there, they talk there, they fight there, they love there. And I think this particularly is an important characteristic to understand. So what is the first factor of developing lifelong relationships? We see this in culture, we see this right here rooted in the Bible, and we even see it in science, in physics, all these relationships. First thing is this, let's read it. What, what is it? Read it with me. Deliberate what? Yeah. Get close to someone right now. Like, hi. <laughs> don't be awkward. Don't be awkward. Don't be awkward. It's okay. And, and here's the thing about lifelong relationships. In Jesus' life, there was deliberate proximity. Seinfeld, the whole point is about deliberate proximity. Friends, Big Bang Theory. It's about deliberate proximity. You have to get close enough repeatedly to actually talk. If that relationship doesn't exist, proximity, getting close, being near is impossible. And that's really the problem of this age. This vast autonomy and the more income you earn, the less proximity you have to others. Right? The, less the more money you have, you have less proximity to your family. There's no need to live together. right? And a lot of times people escape the holidays, they go to like Cancun and stuff. I'm like, I don't want to get, just get out of here. So how close are you to people will be determined by delivered proximity? Just like in Jesus' life. And so let me try to frame this for us in our community. Don't look at Sunday services. 
right? The service is the appetizer. The sermon here, this is like, you know, this, this is like the starters, the worship. Then you go out to lunch, brunch, and it becomes a whole date thing. Why? Because it's about proximity. It's about developing relationships. It's an application to develop real friendships. And we're just creating these spaces so that you can develop it. So it's not like you have to go to a small group. You have to go to church to develop lifelong relationships. It's just one of those applications we created. But if you look at the Bible, those two things are not enough to create lifelong relationships. That's my point. It's not enough. You need more. Tell someone you need more. You're like, but how? I'm so tired. How can I have more? So what, you want me to not work? Should I just be at a cafe all the time? Oh, I mean, and you're like, I'm kind of cynical about that. Is there a way to compartmentalize relationships? Where there's dosage of intimacy? Where you can like take a pill you know, or a shot, or, I mean, come on, there has to be more, man, you know, you can manage. Can you imagine that you set that in your first date? Can we compartmentalize this relationship and manage this? They'd be like, uh, bye, weirdo. But it, relationships about, it's really about, it's flamboyancy, it's about access, it's about, it, it's the beauty of relationships that it, it can't have a guide, particularly. You waste time together doing nothing, and that means everything, which makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, so, yes. So I'm sorry. There, there's a price to pay for deliberate proximity. Tell someone, lack of privacy. So to tell someone, mind your own business. Yeah, everybody in, in this, in, in millennial generation, including Gen X, I'll include myself in it, okay, when it's convenient. But, you know, it's like, everybody wants to be close, but no one wants to pay the price. Everybody says, I want soul friends, but they don't want to bear their souls. You put, uh, you know, this emoji face on, photo edited version of reality in your, in, in your IG stories, and you never tell a sad day. And then you go, well, you know, I want to be close to people. And then when people start confronting you about sin and maybe some maladaptive behaviors they see in your life, ha, I'm offended. How could you think that about me? And so everybody wants accountability, but they, they run once it happens. How could you develop real soul friends, lifelong friendships, if there's no tension and friction? There's a cost. There's a sacrifice. Not only is there close proximity, because that would just be annoying, there has to be an exchange between people that's not transactional. It's not about lifting your social status. It's not about giving you something. It's about being really being there for each other. It requires sacrifice. There's a price. Let's move down here. So, Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. And read that part with me. What's it say? To lay down your life for one's friends. Now many of you will not have an opportunity to die on the cross for me. And I hope you don't. But that's what Jesus is talking about. The ultimate symbol 
of his sacrifice of love was Calvary, was death on a tree. And Jesus says, I'm willing to die for you, to die for you, friends, because you matter to me. Not only was there close proximity, there was sacrifice, deliberate sacrifice, blatant sacrifice. And this is the point. Everybody says they want close friends, but no one wants to pay the price. You might not be able to die on the cross for me, but you might have to go to Walmart for me to get tickets for me to, to watch Lynn Emanuel in Puerto Rico. This is exactly what happened. My friend had to get in line. You see, for this to happen, this was free for me. Taking a picture of my son at Puerto Rico, at the theater. It was like Oscar night over there. I mean, morning, whatever. Um, it was a big thing, play of Hamilton. My son goes there, we there. But how did that happen? Well, I had to bug my friend. I told him a year before Hamilton, yo, bro, you know Hamilton's coming to Puerto Rico, right? He's like, I haven't heard. Well, now you know. <laughs> he goes, okay, okay, you know. Okay, I, I'll keep my eyes open next month. Hey, you hear about those tickets? Oh, my gosh. It's only been 11 months. <laughs> they haven't even announced it yet. Yes, but people are going to grab those tickets. <laughs> and it's my son's dream. I'm a good father. I'm trying to make it happen. It's okay, I will let you know. You see how close we are? But in the end of the day, they announced it and all the tickets were gone. They said the only tickets left is a two-hour drive in Walmarts, in a different part from the city of, of, of San Juan. He had to go drive to these Walmarts, and he had to bring his mom to get enough tickets for me and my son to go. sacrifice. Did I have to pay him extra for that? No. I even made him buy me dinner when I got there. It was an expensive dinner, really good Puerto Rican dinner. But sometimes that's what it'll look like. Sometimes it's going out of your way. It's inconvenient. It's not, close relationships are not polite. I don't know any close relationships that are actually polite. Like, polite. I mean, courtesy is one thing, but being too polite. When you're too polite, it immediately shows that you're not close. When I go to my friend's, close friend's home, I walk in there like I own the place. <laughs> you know, I just, I go refrigerator, take out, I don't even ask. Is this anyone's? I start drinking things, eating things, making a mess. Why? Because it's like my house. Why? Because we have this. Relationships. And you know, if you go into someone's stranger's home, they go, they offer you water, you go, would you like anything to drink? You're, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to say, no, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, no, 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 no. We want you. To, oh, no, thank you. No, you really can have, okay, we'll take. It's this dance of, right, perfunctory courtesy. But in intimate relationships, that cannot exist. There's no politeness, there's courtesy, there's deep embedded kindness, but there's not politeness because you know the degree of intimacy you have with one another, but it requires sacrifice. Sometimes it requires sacrificing your pride. Sometimes it means waiting at a Walmart for three, four hours. 
And why I say this is because if you want to really develop spiritual maturity into an image of Jesus and really be an agent, of, uh, a force, a change agent for the world that represents him well, if you think a checklist, going to church, Sunday service, small group, that's going to be enough, you're wrong. Because the kingdom of God is not a checklist of things to do. It's about the fullness of life. And Jesus invites us to that fullness by this, by this model of living with people in close proximity. Yes, that's one thing. But you see the other thread of what? Sacrifice. How many people here want to share your greatest losses and greatest weaknesses with people? I don't. But that's the cost. A lot of times we're more defined by our losses and our failures than our wins. And here's the problem, right? Once you fail, how many people want to share their failure? They, how many people love it? Post it on Facebook. Well, maybe you could do that now. No one checks Facebook anyway, so you might as well do it. Because he, Doc, look, I shared my weaknesses on Facebook. No one knows. Do it on IG. I dare you. <laughs> Everybody will know. Right? So when we fail, we tell no one, we isolate. We deflect, we, try, we get to be alone. And then when we succeed, oh, we just did what we're expected to do. We're supposed to succeed. There's no celebration. So in between those two things, what, what do we have? Agony, depression, anxiety. That's life. That's a terrible way to live. We need to share our losses swallow our ego, and we need to celebrate. Will Christ sacrifice? Man, when we go to those celebrations, it's like $100 a person. Sacrifice. But we got to do it. So it was the second factor of developing lifelong friendships. Read it with me. Blatant what? Blatant sacrifice. You know, people have asked me at Penn, Accord of future college presidents and state leaders and stuff like that in the government. My cohort has seen my family multiple times. I'm the only person that brings my family. It's, it's in a, a, a hotel. And they're like, oh, we, we like know your kids now. And people are like, you know, can you manage the two, your family and, and doing business and, 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 and studying and researching? And this is my answer. I never have enough time with my family. Because when they're 21, when the kids are 21 and 30, we're going to be close. Why? Because what? Close proximity. Now, would I be able to function the next day, you know, talking about complex issues? No. Sometimes, hey, hey, well, what are you saying? I have no idea. Nathan was kicking me off the bed last night. Sacrifice. Am I going to be like the best? Probably not. But I'm okay with that. It's good to just be one of the best. You don't want to be the best. If you have that kind of obsession, let it go. Tell someone, let it go. Let, please let it go. I got to be the best at one cost. You're losing your hair? That could never, I would never lose my hair for that. Or my family. 
even though they're sacrificed to close proximity and the sacrifice is worth it because of intimacy gained. I take my family everywhere. doesn't matter how much it costs. I'll pay it. Because in the end of the day, we're going to be close whether they like it or not. <laughs> but we need, you have never enough time with friends. You never have enough time with family. It, if you can make time, sacrifice to make time. Because that's what life is about. Or everything else will just be about obligation, failure, and anxiety and suffering. And that's a stupid way to live. And the kingdom invites us to a better way to live. And this is what I said last week to people who are investigating faith. Live the way Jesus says to live and then tell me it's not the best way to live. That he's the creator of everything. He knows. Let's stand and pray together. So I want to ask you to lift your hands to the Lord today. And we're going to spend some moment in critical reflection about our current relationships. And what do you, what, what's your trajectory is going to be? What, your, what do you want your life to be defined by? Because in the end of my life, this is the vision of the kingdom. I want my life to be about things I could remember, not things that are blurry. I don't think I'm going to remember studying for a test or how many papers I wrote, scholarly papers I wrote, or if I won the Nobel Peace Prize, even though that would be pretty awesome. But what I'm going to remember are the people in my life that love me and I love. Every single person that, that writes a memoir, reflects on their life, says, I should have spent more time. I should have made time. instead of stressing about everything I can't control. And there's some of you in this room be like, listen, Doc, that's nice, that's nice, nice for your life, but you, I'm, trying, I'm New York, I'm trying to become the man or the woman. And I'll learn the hard way. Well, that's stupid. You know, because I have a lot of time today, I'm just going to do some OT preaching here. I, I, I just want to just let you know that no matter what you achieve, it's never going to be enough. Some of you might become famous, probably not. Just like giving you the statistics, you probably won't be, but let's say you do become famous. Demi Moore released a book, talked about her destructive life with Ashley Kutcher. How their divorce eventually was led by her agreeing to some sexual practices that should not be mentioned. But it was a threesome. 
in their marriage. And eventually, she said this. She wanted to show him that she was open and fun and creative. But eventually, that led to the destruction of marriage because he cheated on her after. You can be a famous actress married to the hottest guy, rich guy, famous guy, and at, end at a place of crisis and suicide. That's where she ended up. She started drinking again because he, he told her, I don't believe in alcoholism. And he was like 25. And she was sober for years. And she agreed. Tell someone next to you, please don't do stupid things. And don't listen to stupid people. You know, and when, I, when I was at Harvard Medical, they, you know what they did? They did a survey because the suicide prevention was so high and depression was so high. They had a 100% participation rate at Harvard Medical School on if they belong to Harvard. Over 60% of respondents said they don't feel like they belong there. So when are you ever going to feel like, yes, I'm smart? Never. So the smartest people in the world said they don't feel smart and like they're posers. Folks, look at the people in front of you. Stop looking ahead. Live with the people around you. Because what you're pursuing to please whoever or to prove to yourself whatever is really a journey of pain and despair. The kingdom invites us to love one another. And I invite you to that life. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends. I'm your host, Joe Liu, and I'm joined today with Pastor Lydia, Pastor of Transformation here at 180 Church, co-founder and wife to Dr. Sammy. How are you doing, Pastor Lydia? I'm good. How are you, Joe? Good. Thanks for asking. Um, so we're here to talk about, you know, just everything and anything in between, like regarding relationships, um, which I think Dr. Sammy kind of painted in such a way where, you know, though relationship is such an important thing in our lives, oftentimes, like, it's hard to do, you know, and I think for many of us, no matter how busy we are, whatever endeavors that we're undertaking, um, at the back of my, at the back of our minds and in our hearts, we know that what's really important to us is the quality of our relationships. And I think with this series, calling unpacked, and you know, talking about the sacred, and you know, in regards to even our friendships, just how sacred they can be, uh, I'm really excited to talk about what sacred friendships really look like, or how to really maximize our relationships so that we can be qualitative people in each other's lives. And um, I guess one of the things I just want to kick off the conversation with is like, what is it about relationships you think that, you know, no matter what we can't keep our minds off of, you know, because what I see with myself and like with other people is that no matter how busy things can get or just whatever priorities we might have that we need to take care of, it seems like 
I want to be in the company of good friends or I want to be able to kick back, um, you know, put some of the stuff that I'm doing on the back burner and just enjoy time with people. And uh, at the end of the day, that's kind of like how like those are those have always been some of the fondest memories and fondest times in my life when it's in the company of really people that I really enjoy. Um, and so, uh, you know, if in the center of the universe is a relationship and if relationship is such an important thing to us, you know, do you have any thoughts on, you know, what it is that really grips our hearts when it comes to um, being in community or being in relationship with others? Well, you know, I think that um, the the quote or this like the study actually the study that stands out to me you know there was a time when everyone was trying to figure out like am i an introvert am mm. i an extrovert right not as an i but everyone was trying to figure out what am i yeah and i remember um so you know there's many attributes of or character characteristics of a introvert and extrovert that differ right mm. And one of the main ones that differentiates the two is that introverts are um, not so much fed by people around, but they're almost drained by the people, right? Mm. Where extroverts, it's like the more interaction they have with people, um, the more energized um, they become. Yeah. And, you know, I think for a while it was like, oh, are you an extrovert? Oh, are you an introvert? Oh, you like people, you don't like mm. people. But, you know... At the end of the day, it's not really about that. It's I realize it's really all about how one is made, but it is still in relationship. Mm. Anyway, going back to the quote, I think I had read, and this really stuck out to me, um, introverts are known to be people who don't need people because mm. they're just so happy in their own world. But I actually heard that even introverts who don't like to be around people that much they just take a little bit longer to realize that they're alone. So because of their natural tendency, they'll always be like, oh, it's all right. I don't want to go out. No, no, no. I have something to do, I think, because they're always happy just like being in their own mind mm, of things. Yeah. And I say they because I'm an extrovert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they said that if you don't, if you don't say yes mm. to some of those things where people call you out to eat together, to hang out, watch a movie, if you keep saying no, it will catch up to you. A loneliness, you're not exempt from loneliness because you happen to be an introvert. Oh, I see. So, um, yeah, I think whether introvert or extrovert, I think we're all made for a relationship. Mm. I think people in good relationships um, will tell you, that my life is fulfilled because of these relationships because mm. I love my children because I love my wife my husband right people will yeah. say that I because I have great friends you know I have a great family um, you know I have a great community um, a great church like these this is this is more important to them mm. than any other achievements or success right. so I mean it kind of attests I guess for itself yeah. Um, I guess we're speaking to people who are not in the, f um, I don't know, the fullness of relationship, mm. right? Or um, have great relationships. Mm. And this is, I thought this message was so great because it educates. And, you know, I, I felt like it saves people a lot of time mm, yeah. 
in like kind of just like going about life in a certain way in a certain mode of you know um with that relationship and then coming to a place you're like oh Mm. what is my life about but it provided wisdom to actually pause and change trajectory about how we think about relationship and how we need relationship so i mean that i just said a lot but Mm. yeah relationships so important right it it seems like what what you're kind of noting on whether you know your personality is one that's introverted or extroverted it's like no, no matter what kind of person you are it seems like at the end of the day we really crave connection yeah um and it's almost like a lot of the times we want these connections we don't know how to get them or we don't know what to do to pursue meaningful relationships in that way and maybe maybe many of us feel like we know that we want to be connected with but you know i think you're absolutely right in mentioning that in this sermon it's it's a great way to learn what it means to connect to people right it's like a very active way in which we can engage in relationship and do mm-hmm. relationship because some of the some of the points that dr sammy had was very action driven right like mm-hmm. it's about deliberate proximity about how close we can get to others and mm-hmm. about blatant sacrifice and that's not asking for the sacrifice of others as much as it is like what is it that we can sacrifice whether it's our time our resources so that we can do relationships mm-hmm. yeah right. no, for sure proximity and sacrifice yeah mm. they really do go hand in hand i think um i mean you know when you're little you become friends with the people that you go to school with or that yeah. you go you walk to school with mm. right or you walk to class with mm. or people who happen to be in your youth group or people who happen to be in the same extra uh, curricular um, activity mm. But as you get older, you realize that just because you have the same interests, it doesn't necessarily um, make connection. Yeah. And, um, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you start realizing, like, I want real friends. Like, Mm. I don't want to just belong to a club. I don't want to just belong Mm. to a sport and, you know, be like everyone. I want to matter as a person in Mm. a relationship. I want a real connection. So... I think when you get to that point where you're really just really looking for people that um, you can share life with. Mm -hmm. um, And then talking about proximity, Mm. then you could also come across kind of obstacles too because it's like, how do I do that? (laughs) So I I felt like he addressed that part really well, Mm. right? I think so, for sure. Made it very practical. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot, definitely a lot to unpack. And I think what Dr. Sammy shared with us is a very practical way um, of doing relationships because, you know, I, I think one of the things that, you know, like just to like start breaking down like what, it what it was that we were talking about when it when it comes to friendships like there's something about being close to people and yet even doing nothing with them that seems to be so meaningful Mm -hmm. for for some for some odd reason it seems you know like uh, a lot of people that i know are very you know outgoing and want to do a lot of stuff and you know pack their schedules with Mm -hmm. things to do like an itinerary and stuff like that um and well, when we go to vacations and stuff like that, just to put it into context, but and it's, but it seems like some of the more, you know, some of the moments that I tend to remember the most is the ones where we're not doing anything mm-hmm. and we're just sitting there mm-hmm. in like a field, just looking at the sunset or something. Or even like if we're going to talk about sitcoms, right? Like we sit around the couch together and we just put on Friends or How I Met Your Mother 
or we watch The Office together. Even though it's not like we're really doing much, we're doing so little together, and that seems to be what proximity is. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Yes and no, right? right? Because you could watch a show with someone mm-hmm. for a really long time and watch all of the episodes. Yeah, um, which, a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, and you spend that much time. Mm. And because of the time spent and the connection of um, a friendship that occurs, like sometimes I think that could count as proximity. Yeah. But sometimes you could be watching the same show with the same group of people. But if you're never connecting, mm. then... You could be physically close to people, but mm. really far from each other, I see. and feel the loneliness mm. in that. Or even it might even um, accentuate the loneliness because you're with people all the time, oh. but because you're not known and you are not getting to know people, mm-hmm. and it's really just about the show. Yeah. <laughs> like you know. Right. So I would say yes and no mm. to that. Right. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a really good point. Um, because it's not just like physical proximity like what is it that we're like really talking about when it comes to proximity you know it's is it just how close you can feel with somebody in terms of their personhood or like that you really know or feel really known by the people around you yeah i think you know proximity is uh it's a good framing word for everything intentional and intentional within intentionality <laughs> well you know, because you're being intentional to get to know someone. Right. Because it obviously takes sacrifice because mm-hmm. you're blocking time out, mm-hmm. using resources, right, of time and money. Mm-hmm. But within that intentionality, you're not agenda driven like, okay, let's ask each other 10 questions oh, yeah. and get to know each other right. um, versus, hey, how, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. How was your day? Right. Yeah. I mean, you could start with the questions, you know. But there has to come to a point where you start having real conversations mm. about what's really going on inside. I see. Good and the bad, right? Mm. So I would say in in the intentionality... Wait, what did I say? To be intentional. <laughs> yeah. To be intentional. To be, yeah. yeah. What did I say? To be intentional in the intentionality. Yes. Yeah. To be intentional in the intentionality. intentionality. Oh. I see. That's real. That's an int- that's a really <laughs> interesting way to think about. It. Cause uh, I'm thinking, right? Uh, Cause you know, when it comes to me spending time with people or like me making new friends, I I do tend to think that I'm being pretty intentional, like putting myself out there, sharing things about me that you know might be something that can open somebody up also, or like just you know sitting there in silence also and. Are you, are you saying that there's like a step further to that intentionality? Like uh, how much more intentional do you think? Like further you know, to... To like connect with... Another? Yeah, I think so. Mm. You know, it's kind of like you can't always like talk about serious things. Yeah. You have to go have ice cream sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. So I think there is intensity and... What is it? Low intensity. <laughs> oh, low intensity. Yeah, yeah high intensity. Oh, so there's like a spectrum. Yeah, of like, I think so. There yeah. has there is a balance, and it it happens as you spend time with them mm. enough times. Mm. You know, I'll give you an example, right? Mm. So, um, 
I whenever um, I watch Sam and how he does relationships, right? I'm always like, what I've observed over the years, and it's about like almost two decades mm-hmm, yeah. of being married, right? right. Wow, it's a long time. Okay, almost. I never actually said that. Oh, really? Almost two decades. Yeah, because we're hitting seventeen. Almost two dec- decades of being married, um, and I always see that um, his relationships are not always like intentional, intentional, intentional. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's mm, let's yeah. talk. Right. But it's like there's let's talk, and it's like ha 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 yeah. ha ha. You know, <laughs> like I kind of grew up like very agenda driven because mm. I'm a strong J. Yeah. So I was always like, this is how you have relationships. Right. You have to talk about serious things. So mm. let's come up with these things that we have to talk about. Right. Like I was that person that, you know, in January, I would have a list of things that I had to accomplish. Oh. And, and not that it's a bad thing, but I, I would do that in relationships. Mm. Right. But I realized like. I had to kind of, um, what is the word? Um, what is the word? Loosen up a little bit. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I learned that from Sam to kind of chill out. I think chill out's a Chilling good word. Out, yeah. yeah. To chill out and to have real talk mm. at the same time. Right. With the same person. Right. And not always on the same day, but <laughs> on another day. I see. Because sometimes like, you just want to get everything done on one day mm-hmm. and you're like done, right? Yeah. And a check off. Like, you know, as weird as that is, I think we do relationships that way. We mm. kind of check it off as, oh, I got that done. Yeah. Okay, I don't have to worry about that friend for a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think people do think like that, mm. right? Um, I'm not saying I, I do that, but yeah. I'm saying I've I see people kind of arrange their friendships like that. Mm. But um that's not proximity. Right. It's never a checkoff, but it's being intentional to share life. Mm. So it's, I think it's coming to a place like sharing time to you get to share life together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes from small to bigger. I see. Yeah. I see. And you mean, just, just to, for context, you mean J as in like the Myers-Briggs Oh, yes. Personality I'm a strong J right. as in the judge, judge. not for judgmental, yeah, but, but judging. Like organized. Yes. Yeah church small group is not enough yeah we actually need more Mm -hmm. time with relationship we need more than that and that's so true and counselors and um psychologists will say the same thing Mm -hmm. sometimes like for example there are examples where sometimes um in a relationship in a a romantic relationship um in a marriage right the husband is not getting the emotional support mm. that he normally gets from the wife yeah. or from the girlfriend, right? And oftentimes, they will have to turn to friends to receive that emotional mm. support. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Because sometimes things will come up in a marriage, whether, I don't know, maybe the woman has or the man has, you know, a new job, mm. a new schedule. Kids started school and all of a sudden the attention is no longer... Uh, focused in a certain way towards the husband, but it's like spread out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm speaking as a wife, but it could go both ways. Yeah. And when that need is there, there's no shame in saying, hey, I need to hang out w- with my buddies Yeah. Be- and get that need met right. and to talk about how things are going and, or even say, I don't know, mm. like, oh, I've been feeling like this or for, you know, for wives or... Um, 
even girlfriends to feel like you know what, or to say I've been feeling a little bit like、um, needy and I don't like that feeling.、Mm-hmm. But instead of feeling ashamed about it, just bringing it out and、yeah. saying I have a need.、Right. I just really need this,、mm-hmm. you know, to have coffee with you、yeah. or to. Grab brunch with you,、mm-hmm. or dinner with you, or even just this phone call with you to、mm-hmm. a friend. I think there's no shame in that,、yeah. you know. Done within the good boundaries, right? Right.、Um, so yeah, we need more than Sunday. Yeah. Small groups,、right. accountability groups.、Mm-hmm. We need more than that. Yeah. It seems like I mean we already touched on a lot because it seems that this is this is a very healthy and holistic picture of how. To do relationships, like it's not just about lounging around and kicking it back, but also meeting needs that we all inherently have because we're human beings, and we need to be in community and be in relationship with people. And also, at the same time, it's not just about the convenience of the applications that are in place, like small groups and Sunday service. But you know, it's it's the encouragement to actually go beyond just those applications because、um, proximity is not just Those regular routine things that we do on the weekly basis, either it's just it's also about like, you know, like soul conversations, right? Is that, and I guess I kind of want to talk about that because, you know, you mentioned before that, you know, when you were younger, you were very agenda driven when it came to relationships. Like, you know, I'm gonna do relationships this way. I come from the I think closer to the other side of the spectrum where I. Wanted to have zero agendas,、mm. and a lot of my time is kicking back, joking around, and you know, just having fun.、Mm. And the soul conversations are not、mm. very easy for me. Like I don't two different extremes. Yeah, yeah. very different extreme. As in, you know, when I am with friends, and I'm I'm guilty of this because you know it's been brought up to me a lot. It's just they just don't know what's going on with me, or、mm. they'll say like. Uh, what's what's going on in your life? I don't know. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm okay, you know, because、mm-hmm. I think the proximity of the soul is something that, you know, is part of that friendship or part of those relationships. Um,、mm-hmm. and I guess I just wanted to talk about that a little、mm-hmm. bit because、yeah. this is something I, I don't really know、mm-hmm. much about, or、mm-hmm. I do theoretically, but、mm-hmm. it's hard to. I guess it's just a good segue to also talk about sacrifice, you know, because、mm-hmm. am I willing to? Lay down my guards and bear my soul along with my time because it doesn't seem like like some. I think for some people, certain things are hard to sacrifice when it comes to relationships,、mm-hmm. right? If we're gonna talk about how we kind of need to lay down our lives, like Christ said, whether our life that or whether the things in our lives are like resources, time,、um, I guess you know, like and even like the soul or like you know or. Things that might get in the way of being able to do relationship, right?、Mm-hmm. I, I guess, like, in terms of that, how do we lay our lives for others, right? Like, if it's if it's really about sacrifice,、mm-hmm. and not for not to become just like always、yeah. chilling out,、yeah. and though you're close, souls are apart, right? Yeah. Well, I think courage and practice、mm-hmm. um, is definitely something. To learn,、mm. um, I think now they're calling like social scientists are calling courage a skill, but、mm. I totally see that it is because it's not that some have courage and some don't. It's just that some 
found that when they were courageous about something, that it was worth it. So yeah. they go for it again and again and again, and it becomes a skill, right? Mm-hmm. So you're able to be courageous about bigger things. I think courage is so important in a relationship because if not, you could totally miss someone and they're, even though they're right in front of you for mm-hmm. so long. Yeah. So I think there is a need to be direct about certain things Mm. sometimes i know this is like it may seem like a really odd example but i actually just recently saw um uh what is it called like youtube tv Mm -hmm. not youtube tv oh my gosh (laughs) what is it oh ig ig tv oh ig tv youtube tv (laughs) no not youtube tv sorry mondays i'm a little (laughs) my mind but um yeah so it was basically like a boyfriend and a girlfriend they were having a meal together but you see through like the camera of the restaurant, right? That the boyfriend start he starts choking, right? And he starts gesturing to the girl, but he's still trying to be polite mm-hmm. to not like freak out about it. And you see the girl is just like kinda like still and she's like asking, Are you okay? Are you yeah. okay? And he just takes a napkin and tries to like cough, cough it, it out. And you just kind of like watch and everyone in the restaurant, they kind of see what's going on. You don't hear what they're saying, mm-hmm. but as the viewer of the video, you're just like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. What's, and what happens is like, I think eventually, um, he gets to a point where he's has not been breathing for like about a little more than a minute. Mm-hmm. It's like blocked and he starts getting up and walking around and then um they get the help of a manager and the manager literally comes and does the heimlich on him and he starts breathing um i feel like that's a good example it's a very dramatic example Mm. because um you know but i think it's a good example because i think we all kind of know that something is Right, like yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about like the elephant mm. in the room always. I mean, there's a time and place to talk about things, and there's a time to celebrate, and there's a time to bring up problems. But mm-hmm. I'm talking about just when you spend every single day just as if nothing is, everything is great, mm-hmm. everything is great, yeah. everything. Ha I love that show. Oh yeah, we love yeah. that show. Love, you know. But sometimes you have to get up and do something. Like, you have to act on and do something, right? Yeah. And be direct. And I think in the same way, even in relationship, we can't always just chill out and yeah. have fun. We have to sometimes speak up and say, hey, like, I had a really bad day and I just need to let you know that I'm not feeling really good and I'm not really good at showing that. Mm. And I just need to know like need you to know that you know because i think even to confess that it's hard because i think there's so many fears right yeah even though that's so beneficial like there's so many fears because one you don't want to burden people number two you feel like oh what if they think i'm weird and Mm. what if they think i'm making a big deal but we do that with so many different things and when we don't do that for a long time what happens is you get isolated mm. even if you're in proximity of people you get isolated and you start living in isolation and Sam made a good point like we always t- 
talk about wins, but we never talk about, like, it's hard to talk about losses. But when I think about Jesus, he was about to be arrested and die on the cross. Mm -hmm. But he asked his disciples, hey, can you come with me to pray Mm. and keep watch? Mm. I mean, he did a horrible job because they (laughs) fell asleep. And, but I don't think Jesus was really expecting them to you know, be alert and know yeah. because they, no one was prepared for what's ha- what was about to happen. Yeah. She, he was about to be arrested and crucified. But even then he asked his friends to come with him yeah. and be with him Right. in the moment where he could have gone on his own and took care of it and be a hero, you know, yeah. like he needed his friends. Yeah. And I think we could learn from that. And that is like, <sighs> that is the most um, profound, you know, example. Mm. But I, Christ really does show us a great example. Like when you're in a time of need and you feel like no one will understand you, yeah. you still reach out. Yeah. Because that's what friends are. Right. You know? That's a, that's a really great point because it's not like Jesus really needed his disciples for like direction or guidance about his death you know like as if they could really offer that it's, it was really he wanted to be in the company of people that he loved or well in his but time. he was also fully human so yes right. he did oh. yes he was fully god and fully human so yeah but he 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 wanted them there yeah yeah right or it would just be an agenda yeah. Of like, this is the right thing. This is what you do. Yeah. But actually, he really wanted their support, mm. their presence. He didn't want to be alone. Yeah. I see. So um. if Christ didn't want to be alone when he was having the hardest day of his life, it's okay that we don't want to be alone when we're having the most roughest moment mm. of our week yeah. or year. Yeah. That's a... That's a really great illustration because I think it's like, and I find myself almost doing this. And I say almost because I'm not too certain in that I feel like my soul is not a priority. As in, if I am in need of these times and conversations or the console or comfort of others, it it mm-hmm. almost seems like for me, it's not important enough for me to prioritize that over all the things I have to do or mm-hmm. for me to, you know, lay those things down and sacrifice those things in order to take care of my soul or to take care of other people's souls. Um, and, you know, I can see not that I understand what it is to be lonely or to have loneliness, but why that can, you know, create a degree of separation from others because we're not spending the time and energy to be intentional about our well-being and how we're doing and for others to know you and what's going on in your life and what's going on in other people's lives right so i mean mm-hmm. and I, I i think I, I mentioned that because it seems like for a lot of us we especially in new york you know i think dr sammy mentioned we treasure autonomy but it's like it's in that autonomy we really feel lonely because no one really gets to know the autonomous person Mm -hmm. you know it's like there's no interdependence and there's no Mm -hmm. like reliance on others Mm -hmm. um and i feel like i don't you know as a as just an example for myself like i don't really 
do that, mm-hmm. you know, in the same way that Jesus modeled that, you know, because Jesus was known and knew all of his friends mm-hmm. and lived life with those friends. But it seems like there's like such a strong temptation to not engage in that mm-hmm. for whatever odd reason, mm-hmm. you know. You know, I love that he used the word interdependent mm-hmm. in the message because I think the tendency is to become codependent mm. or independent. The two extremes. Of yeah. The, yeah. And, but the goal is to be interdependent, mm-hmm. to know to, know to rely on others, but also have a sense of self where you are able to live life and, you know, do things and carry out, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the extreme is also very common and which also drives fear. Like mm-hmm. there's a fear like, you know, when I sense a, when I feel a need, someone would say, I don't, I'm afraid that I might be too needy or yeah. I might be too draining. I think there's a fear of codependency. Mm-hmm. And then, so, or the extreme of like, you know what? I don't need anybody. Yeah. Like I got this. I mean, I have experienced that too uh-huh. personally. Like I'm going to be independent. Yeah. Um I think I said that before I got um before I started dating, you know, yeah. Sam. I was like, I don't need a man. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm going to live for God and I'm going to be happy being single. Right. And then um <laughs> and then Sam came into my life, you know, romantically and I'm like, uh what is my heart doing why Uh am i falling in love (laughs) you know so it caught me off guard and Mm. then i realized this is like the best relationship that i needed in my life because it changed me not in a codependent way but it taught me that i do need relationship right you know and um that there is a need for me to be loved and to love right Mm. so yeah, I think the two extremes is like very, oh, what's the word? It's like, uh, it's unnerving Yeah. to like to find that balance. Like, am I ever going to find that balance, yeah. right? Code, or just to define it, um, codependency is losing yourself in caring for someone. I mean, it used to be used, I think, I believe as uh, like... Um, for addicts, right? Yeah, they have it, like a reliance on yeah. another or another thing. Yeah, but it came to also be known as um, when you're caring for someone to the point where you no longer think about your needs. Yeah. Or when you're so dependent to the point where you're no longer thinking for yourself mm-hmm. or knowing your own, you know, self as a person. Um, and independence, well, it's like I don't need anybody. Yeah. I don't need you. I don't need you. I just need myself and my job and I'm going to get there. And Mm. then when I get there and and I achieve all these things, if I want a family, I'll start a family. Yeah. It's kind of like you're sacrificing everything because you have this goal to be a certain Mm. type of person, right? Yeah. And sometimes it comes through wounds or what, I mean, you know, but interdependence is a really good balance of um saying i am my own person but i really need people yeah yeah it's like a it's like a self-awareness of who you are and understanding your needs yeah Yeah. and i love that christ like when peter like got really angry when they came to arrest jesus Mm -hmm. he cut the ear off remember and jesus wasn't like 
oh thank god you get me out of here yeah but he got he got his mission done mm. and he healed the soldier's ear and he said get behind me satan as much as he loved peter yeah. and he appreciated his protection yeah. he was like no i gotta do this peter right. i know who i am and i know what i came for mm -hmm. and so he draws a clear line mm -hmm. of of that it's such a beautiful like yeah tension we see in that moment right. but it is what interdependence look like yeah it is a pretty crazy tension because i think like there's we're, we're in new york you know a lot of a lot of people are ambitious a lot of people have goals and they're willing to sacrifice anything and almost everything in order for them to meet those goals but the tension that is modeled by jesus and in the life that he lived is that you know, he asks us to sacrifice even those things for our friends. You know, and I think, you know, I I sometimes I like I, I understand that that is um, one of the greatest things we can do for the life that we want to live for others and the life that we want to live to champion Christ uh, here while while we're present. But it's it's almost like we have to live in that tension every day like and i think it's 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 very similar to you know be finding the middle ground of codependence and independence in that like it's not just all about sacrificing everything for our goals but it's also not about sacrificing you know everything for our, our friends either it's like a happy medium and it's in that tension that you know jesus wants us to pursue mission but also pursue love at the same time you know and i think um, I guess it's kind of like the question of how do we, how do we really like live in that? What, do we, what is it that, you know, what, what, is, what goes on in the mind of somebody or in the heart of somebody that feels that tension, I guess. Of how can I be in that middle? Yeah. Like how do I like love well and like be a good friend or have good friendships when, you know, I have so, I've other, I'm so busy or like I have this thing I need to do. Like I have friends that talk about kind of similar to what you said is like i need to take care of this i need to buy a house i need to do this this and this and then maybe i could think about a relationship mm -hmm. and kids and settle down or something like that it's it's almost like it's hard to sacrifice all that for love or for friendship or for relationships you know mm -hmm. and what does it look like to be a friend that's willing to lay it down for others well i guess that's where the sacrifice comes in mm -hmm. You have to make time. Mm. <laughs> you just have to. Yeah. You know, you just have to do it. <laughs> just, yeah. Like it's, that, it's that intentionality. It's like yeah. making the space for it. You just have to do it. When it comes up, you make the time. Mm. And, you know, I think sometimes it's not that we don't really have the time. Yeah. And I'm, I don't mean we as in everyone. I'm talking about we as in those who just have a lot on our mind mm -hmm. more than on the plate. Yeah. And it just feels overwhelming that yeah. you're just like unable to say yes to anything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't. I don't think I can. I think I might need more time here. But so there is that. Like there could be a lot of anxiety where you just feel so overwhelmed. You just can't say yes to anything because you just feel like you have to conserve, conserve and you know, for self-preservation of some sort mm -hmm. so that you can, but so there, there, you know, there is that. And then yeah. I see people who are really busy. Yeah. Like, I don't know. 
writing a dissertation, mm-hmm. running a church. Like, yeah. you know, I know, I know people like that closely, right? Yeah. Like who just, who are surgeons and people who are really doing really important like things i'm not saying other things are not important but i'm just talking about different degrees Mm. and um of life i guess where responsibility is really like a deadline for an article that's being published or Mm. deadline for a book or you know a surgery that's really life-threatening like Mm. you know what i mean like there are these things but i see people like that make time yeah and have good relationships Mm -hmm. And have, um, you know, relationships and families mm-hmm. with their children yeah. that are thriving, that are growing. So, yeah, it's hard, but mm-hmm. I think we just got to do it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, it, I like, I'm not that I'm trying to, but, you know, for me, it comes back to the self-awareness that, even like some of the busiest people, they know that relationships is a priority or it's important for them. And that's why they do it. And it's not like, it's not like they like have to do it or they don't have to do it or, you know, um, it's, it's they want to do it, right? Because it's, it's like, they know that relationship is the center of their life or like it's the most, one of the most important things, like if yeah. not the most important thing, right? Yeah. And I think that's why this message is so powerful because it addresses that with wisdom mm-hmm. like actually you're gonna come to a place in life where with no matter how you live mm-hmm. whether with or without relationship you're gonna come to a place where you're gonna really value the fact that you focused on relationships yeah. or you're gonna come to a place where you're gonna regret like why am i alone yeah and so it reduces that time wasted yeah to waste it with the people that you want to be with right yeah. And I think it's a really powerful message because it brings that wisdom hmm. to people that are younger and older yeah. that it's not too late. And right. actually, you're not too young to start this now. Yeah. Yeah. Because hmm. you're right. People do it because it's important hmm. to them. Right. People invest time into that because it's important to hmm. them. And you know what? Over the years, I've seen people in their. 20s change from really agenda driven to relationship based and i see the fruit is tremendously different yeah and even like how much they enjoy life has really changed as well Mm. and i see that because you know i think in the early years like people used to babysit um my kids right Mm. and in the beginning it just it was like it was very helpful for me, but pe- so, like people who babysat, it was work for them. Yeah, because it's not easy watching kids, right? And um, and you could tell like people really struggled. <laughs> people really struggled, right? But somewhere along the line, because of the proximity spent, mm-hmm. and as kids don't stay children forever, yeah, they become more and more interesting as they as you grow and mm-hmm. as relationship builds, right? I saw like um. I'm not saying all, but, you know, I saw a few develop real relationships with my children. And I sometimes hear like Josh, well, he will say to his friends like, oh, you know, my friend Henry, I'm going to talk to him about my markers. Uh, And then I'm laughing. No one knows. Like his friends don't know that that Henry is actually like this almost 40 year old man. Yeah. (laughs) 
you know, you know, um, but to him, that's my friend. Yeah. Or he'll be like, you know, my friend, he, you know, he bought me this like birthday gift. Yeah. He got me sneakers. No one knows right, right. <laughs> that it's like this older person, yeah. but to a child, he, they know relationships because they know like they're kind of like puppies like i think <laughs> they know yeah. like just like brownie really knows it's like who they have relationship with yeah, yeah they so yeah and i see when that development happens mm -hmm. from like agenda like i need to be effective efficient to you know building relationships yeah like they i see them change and i see that they enjoy life more hmm. it doesn't seem like there's really a shortcut or efficiency to relationships is there no i yeah. don't think so you know um we had a i just want to give some examples right because mm, i've yeah. seen this happen we i remember um i remember michelle you know now she's getting like movie roles and stuff mm, but yeah. before when she was really putting herself out there to start as an actor i remember she would come to like a birthday celebration in jersey mm -hmm. and like literally you wouldn't even know that she had something oh, really? like in three hours like on audition yeah, you her know? schedule was always insane yeah because yeah. you have to make the time and whether you go right up like what you just have to show up right mm -hmm. And I remember she would come and she'd be like, oh, okay, now I have to go. Like she would Google up, like, how do you get home from here? And she would take a little ferry and get to the city somehow, you know, mm. and she would make time. And I see the fruit of that. Yeah. Like she what? yeah, she had a lot of things to get to, but she made time. Mm. And, you know, I think it's such a great example. Like people, everyone has 24 hours a yeah. day seven days a week mm. it's not that some people have more time than others you know yeah it's about how they spend it yeah right. i guess it's what you decide to spend it on mm. or who yeah whom yeah I, I guess i had a personal question is that you know did you from going to be agenda driven do you have like a i guess a measure or you know a quantitative you know value of how different life became once it, it came down to like okay i'm not doing relationship as an agenda of doing relationship but like i'm doing relationship you know like i think I, i'm just curious to see like what what are some of the things that have shifted in your life what mm -hmm. are some of the like what's attitudes? a good measurement yeah or like because I, I was taught these things very early because you know i've been part of this church for, for the better part of my life mm -hmm. you know like my adult life and so it seems like this kind of stuff is almost second nature to me um, but I'm I'm wondering if there's and like so my life has kind of been qualitative in regards to mm -hmm. um, the the wealth I have in, in relationships. Like I think it's one of the greatest treasures I have. But for me to think about like how much my life has changed because of that is kind of hard for me to uh, reach back and think about what mm -hmm. life was like when I was a sophomore in high school. So I was just curious. Um, was there like a moment you were like, wow? these relationships are so life-giving or like full or like you know was there like a contrast hmm. how do you, you describe it you know i always say like being close to someone is the best feeling in the world and i guess i would how i would you know what it's a good question i would have to even think about hmm. but i think it's shown because the quality of the relationship also changes 
Mm. It goes from superficial to obligatory to demanding to, wow, like, I really love this person in my life. Mm. Whether it's your children or friends, um, you know, people in your community. I think there is a transformation that happens within you, mm-hmm. but also the quality of the relationships begin. It's like really, see, I don't really drink wine that much, mm-hmm. but I hear the saying all the time, like you want to age, not like milk, but like wine. Like wine, yeah. Yeah. I think the difference would be that. <laughs> uh-huh. It's such a that deep answer, but I, th- I don't know. It, it ages like wine. Yeah, like the quality <laughs> just gets more and more better yeah refined. yeah yeah mm. it gets better that's a great analogy yeah yeah it really does it really and your life gets better as a result of it mm. it's not that it lacks problems per se mm. but or lacks conflict because yeah. there's also that like you get closer to someone you go past the polite and then you could get into an argument and yeah. you just like you could get annoyed at the person you're getting to know for sure you know like Mm -hmm. that annoyance is like but that's the thing if you're not annoyed with that person yet then like what are you doing like you're not close enough you don't really know that person yeah Yeah. no exactly a lot of people are like oh my gosh i'm so scared that i might get annoyed at that person Mm -hmm. so i'm just gonna kind of like stay here but if you're really not annoyed at one point or another and have that talk like what's wrong with you yeah you know where it's always like Oh, what do you want to do? Uh, uh, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then you're just like, I'm so annoyed. They yeah. always say that. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel like half of the time I spend with some of my closest friends is like, oh my God. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Are you serious? Or something, you know, it's like, there's always that, there's definitely that tension of, you know, real genuine care and love. And also like, why I don't understand this person. Like, yeah, you know. but it's, <laughs> but it's like when you get to know that person and they start, when you get past that, like mm-hmm. you get through the little fights mm-hmm. and it seems petty or not, but get through it. Like yeah. swallow the pride and get through it, right? Work it out. Yeah. Work out past the ego. And then you become friends. Then mm-hmm. now you're sharing moments together. Yeah. You know, you're not just doing things together, yeah. but you're actually sharing life together. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's possible with children too. Yeah. With adults and children. Mm-hmm. Like I see my relationship growing with my children as well. Mm. And it's, I don't have a measurement, but I knew, I can say it's rewarding when my kids tell me like, um, mom, you, well, Josh wouldn't say this, but <laughs> like my older one, you know, he'll say, um, you know, mom, I feel like you were really present this summer. Mm. I'm like, really? Oh, <laughs> huh? well, yeah, I tried. Mm. <laughs> You know, because I am trying, you know, but because you, how do you really measure that, right? Mm. He's like, yeah, I really felt like you were present. I'm like, oh man, in my mind, I'm like, oh, it mattered, Mm. you know? And you, another, I guess, way to tell is like, you start enjoying time with each other, Mm. that you look forward to it. Yeah, yeah, like the quality of relationship really develops and you enjoy it, that person. Right. Because, I mean, there were times he and I would fight and mm. it would just be like he would want to, you know, not be in my presence because I couldn't stand him. He couldn't stand me. Yeah. But it developed because of time spent together. Mm. Real talks. I mean, we really have real talks. Yeah. 
It's you, not perfunctory at all. Right, and you have to be that close in order to generate that friction enough to even yeah you know, get there, right? So I guess my roommates. Really. <laughs> roommates. <laughs> yeah, these are all my roommates. Right. They annoy me, but mm. I, you know, I've learned to love them. Mm. You know, and they've learned to accept me and love me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know one of the important things to talk about, and you know, like that's that's kind of in the ears and on the minds of a lot of people in this country or in the world in general is that you know a lot of us in you know this modern age we know that a, a third of us are suffering from some kind of mental illness mm-hmm. whether it's anxiety depression or even loneliness you know there's so many articles and research that's being done on loneliness about how it just cuts the lifespan of people drastically you know and there's something about the fruitfulness of the relationships and the life that we live that really even impacts the lifespan of how long we live Mm. right and you know i just you know like dr sammy prefaced and talked about how you know the the model that jesus provides for us to do relationship is can and could possibly very much help us with these things that we're troubled with whether it is anxiety or like whether it is that we have we're very lonely in this world. And I, I guess I just kind of want to get your thoughts on why relationships are so important in order for us to not even just tackle these issues. Cause it's not like an agenda. It's not like we're doing relationships so that we can solve the problem of depression and anxiety. It's more so how does this life that we live in relation to others and, you know, really developing and growing in our relationships, how, you know, w- why, might that be a better way to live so that, you know, we can really, you know, address some of these, some of these issues. Hmm. What was your question? No, just your (laughs) your general thoughts on like, you know, if you're struggling with anxiety and depression, like, you know, why it's important to do relationship or, you know, the invitation for relationship so that, you know, you could see the quality of your life grow or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just kind of like, Maybe if you want to yeah, talk about it. Because I know you care a lot about mm-hmm. mental illness. Well, you know, when... Having said... Well, let's say this first. No one is assuming that everyone's always well, right? Mm. That there are people struggling mentally. And even as seasons change, I think people struggle. Even as, you know... Um, it gets shorter days, people struggle, right? Mm -hmm. And there are people who really, who really struggle, not just in moods or, you know, in depression, but like really suffer, Yeah. you know? And, um, even, okay, so having said that, right? And from the perspective of those who struggle, I, you know, because I think a lot of times it's like depression has become this word where we're just like not allowed to really talk about it if we don't know what it's about. Yeah. I think it's kind of become that because um, it's like you might say the wrong thing or how do you know if you don't have, you don't struggle like Mm. that. You know, it's a disease. Like, how dare you say, get better? You know, there is a lot. And it's very sensitive issue, right? Mm -hmm. So having 
the perspective of those who have shared, right, from the struggles of mental illness, depression, you know, or even seasonal uh, depression, they will tell you that it sucks to struggle that way. But people in their life, qualitative people in their life, relationships, friends, pastors have made a world of a difference. They will tell you that. Yeah. I heard I heard this in first person many 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 times. People will tell you that. So it's it's not that um yeah, so even to people struggling mentally mm-hmm. with mental illness struggles of all sort, right? Whether it comes and goes or whether it's there to stay and managed you know in through a lifetime having qualitative relationships, people in their life who care about them. Mm-hmm is what they want yeah even if they push you away right or push me away and actually studies will tell you isolation is the worst thing for people who are struggling even Mm. though that's what they would rather choose yeah and this is not me saying studies will tell you and people and people have told me that even though they feel like isolating themselves when people reach out in the moment because it's so hard Mm. um, because it hurts and it's the defense mechanism is so strong Mm. and it just because it it, they say it almost feels like you're blind and you just can't see Mm. through um, what's going on they always appreciate people reaching out Mm. so yeah I think um yeah friendships with people who are struggling yeah is also important yeah and i can see how you know just for me even not you know i i don't claim to know much about mental illness or you know depression anxiety or loneliness even at that it's it but even as like kind of a lay person trying to understand more and more about this world that we're uncovering with the mental health field it seems like relationships tend to be an anchor for a lot of us to you know stay grounded i'd say i mean not not that i'm saying because you know i know something but it's because i think so i would probably say this is one of the toughest times in my life and it's like even in the thick of it even when it's really hard it's when I feel like I need to talk to somebody the most. Mm -hmm. Even if I don't talk to somebody at all, like I would feel the need to be like, I want someone to know that I'm having trouble or like what I'm undergoing is hard and I don't necessarily have it all together. Um, And it's when I'm in the company of people, like even when I come to this podcast after like a long day of like out in school and stuff like that and I feel like mercilessly behind and like, you know, just Mm -hmm. not on top of things. And I could feel the weight of the anxiety of, you know, having Mm -hmm. to take care of all this stuff. But when I'm sitting here at this table with people that I love and people that I enjoy and people that can just take my mind off of some of the things, it's, it reorients me is the Mm -hmm. best way I can put it. Like it really uh, centers me back into like, okay, I probably need eight hours of sleep. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I probably need to share about what's really going on or like 
mm-hmm. like how how I'm doing or something like that. Or I, maybe I just need to kick back and you know have a beer with some friends or something. And it's like it just puts puts a halt on like the 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 storm that's around me and mm-hmm. just allows me to you know really wait it out almost. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think the invitation that's being shared through the life of Jesus, through the gospel, and even in our community, is a really beautiful message because I think if and if everything is in relation to one another, you know, and I kind of geeked out about the same things that Dr. Sammy talks about when it comes to like the astrophysics stuff, mm-hmm. but everything is in relation to one another. So why should we not also treat ourselves as if we need relationship, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. There's a really good movie out about that, but I can't say it because I watch every movie be- when it comes out. Oh, so spoilers. Yeah. yeah. But I think even the world's figuring it out. Yeah. And it's a really great film about it. Mm. Yeah. I think um, one of the pertinent things that seems to come up in our culture today is like it's really, really about connection, whether it's social media that is trying to attempt to connect us together or, you know, if we're like connected to things, it seems like that's like the buzzword if we're connected. And I think... The sermon really highlights how much deeper some of our connections can be or, you know, how much more we can really grow and develop in our connections and relationships. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I want, once like a friend, I was struggling because in my college years, I was struggling because I had a friend who really, really, really struggled mm-hmm like emotionally and honestly I felt the burden of it every time I would talk to this friend and so it would get to the point like every time I would talk to this friend I would feel really really sad Mm. and it kind of and I think when we're young we don't really know the healthy boundary so we either give ourselves to something completely and lose ourselves Mm -hmm. and find ourselves in codependency if we don't have healthy boundaries um and I would find myself in these places, right? And I remember a really, uh, a friend gave me really good wisdom. And she said, you know, you can still spend time with that friend that mm-hmm. you really care about because it seems like you really care about her. But instead of being in an environment where you always end up talking about stuff and it comes to the same place, mm-hmm. maybe you can like find a public place and do an activity with the person so that it's not focused on the conversation of what's wrong all the time, Mm. but you can let them know that you're there for them. Yeah. Like, cause physical presence is also a thing. Mm. I know we're going back and forth with like watching is not everything. Yes. It's a full circle. So I think there's definitely wisdom in how to go about it. Mm. Like, you know, the disciples didn't, they fell asleep when Jesus asked for help, yeah. right? And I think Jesus knew that, but he found comfort in them, maybe mm. kind of, right? That they are in his by his side, right? Yeah. So I think sometimes being there for people, we're always so like caught up on, am I going to do it right? Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to hurt them? But I think being present in those times, because the, I think we're already admitting like, you know what, I don't really know what's going on because mm-hmm. I can be with someone who's struggling and I can be there for that moment. But at the end of the day, it's like, 
you know, you're walking away and you're living your life. Yeah. Just like, you know, someone who babysits who never had a child could never say, oh my gosh, you know, this is so hard. Well, mm. you walk away at the end of the day. I mean, I'm not saying it's the same thing, but yeah. I'm saying it's very different, right? Being mm. in the moment and also um, that just being part of, you know, your day yeah. where it feels hard. So um, there's wise ways to go about it and yeah. still be there for each other. Right. Yeah, it's it 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 seems like some of the most important things tend to come with paradoxes, as in like, it's almost like you have to do both things, whether it's it is the wasting time or being very intentional in conversation. But it's it's really centered around one, you know, macroscopic thing. Like one real thing is that's relationship, right? Like that's how like the probably the fullest way to do relationship. If if that's that's right i'm not not that it's right or wrong but like Mm -hmm. if that's like what i'm getting at yeah i think you need a balance of both so that the time spent creates safety Mm -hmm. to be able to talk Mm -hmm. about deeper things when things do come up because it's not always right yeah yeah it's when it comes up Hmm. Yeah. yeah i mean we definitely wouldn't be sharing i guess on facebook oh i had a really bad day yeah it's not the safest <laughs> on Facebook. Right. But I think if we were to try that, mm. I think it would, we could, like everyone could measure for themselves, like what, how that changed yeah. their life. Right? right. Yeah. It's hard though. Really <laughs> it's hard. Is. Well, to start. Yeah, for sure. Even the thought of falling apart and depending on someone is mm-hmm. hard it's definitely hard yeah. yeah like deciding to depend on christ like that's hard and then depending on people that's hard yeah. like i just want to say that because it's not easy right it's definitely hard yeah. but that's why again yeah. it takes courage to take that step i think it's really great that you mentioned that because it could seem like for some people it just comes so easy like to do relationships or like they're having a great time or they're mm-hmm. having fun but it's difficult for everybody to do relationships, you know, what, what seem, what, what it looks like on the outside is not always what it seems, you know, it's kind of the, you know, menacing thing about how people are doing or like if, if they're doing okay or if they're doing well, how can people really know if they don't have the friends to rely on and to talk to and such like that, you know? Yeah, and I love that, you know, in the message, uh, Sam talks about really if we want to be people mm. in the world who really make a difference, right? Like, like be able to affect, um, I don't know, he said it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, then also this is important, not as a task or as a checkoff, but like this is important. Like we have to be relational Hmm. like i don't i mean i would refer people back to that part Hmm. you know the ministry time and all of that but it's not just there's so many benefits of it personally but i think there's a also a mission Hmm. at hand too you know and i'm just remembering when jesus says pray for the um pray for the workers because the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few Hmm. It is that. I think in a way, God, Jesus is also saying, he's not saying that people who talk about God 
are you know lacking but people who will genuinely go out of their way to sacrifice to be close so that um people can really come to know the father's heart like i think that's Hmm. rare and that's few even though the need is so there yeah you know and so i say that because you know to it's easy to theorize around it Mm -hmm. and say yeah i'm gonna do it you know and i'm gonna talk to my accountability i'm gonna you know have lunch with my friend i'm gonna make sure i have brunch but i think also relationships is not just with the people it's not like an uh what is the word um insular thing the um people you get to know and the sphere of life is growing Mm -hmm. So it's not that, oh, I want to, you know, some people say they're like, oh, I want my three people. I have my three people, so I don't need any more. No, I don't think God's calling us to be settled Mm. per se. You know, your friends and know them forever and that's it. I I don't, that's not what God is saying. But, you you know, there are people coming in and that need um, relationship as Mm. well. And you know what? And I, you know, like I always say, like, I feel like we can't say everything in one podcast, but I can refer people to, you know, we did Sam, um, preached through all the cognitive behavioral, um, stuff, right? Maladaptive behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Cognitive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, and that was within 2019. mm. Like there's so much information to be educated by like what is this and what is this and what does the bible say about this like i would say watch those things it's very equipping of um the person you want to become right so that you can have the relationship that's fulfilling Mm -hmm. and you can offer life to people around you Mm. you know yeah and that's really the purpose of god right Mm -hmm. to be able to offer life and to be like, you know, it's not that we're looking for fame. It's yeah. not fame, but so that you can live a qualitative life that when people meet you, they can know the father. Yeah. So, and that I don't believe that that's possible if just because you will it. Yeah. It happens because you are almost like becoming like the father through the relationships yeah. of truth, love, yeah. you know that you are in yeah. you know so yeah i mean it's a 360 in every way but hmm. yeah so yeah i just want to say that because it's not about that like let's build my life so that yeah. i have my few friends that's not what the message is about hmm. it's about becoming a person who lives out the fullness of god's kingdom right yeah and so yeah right. that's a really great illustration because i think the first thing that came to my mind when you said that was you know like plants don't grow inside themselves like they grow out mm. right and it's like the plant that grows not only is growing itself but it affects the ecosystem around them right like we're yes like we can give life or we can share life with others because we have life and that life we have came from christ and was given to us from christ so that we can you know, lay down what we have so that others can also experience that growth and that flourishing and that development. And I think the plant analogies come because you're a gardener. You know, I think like mm-hmm. spending time with you, you get to see just how 
everything around us is meant to grow and to impact growth for other things around mm-hmm. us and you know if our life was blessed by the relationships and love that are shared with us you know i think it's not a stretch to think that god also has the same in mind for those that you know don't have that yet yeah and i'll say this since you're on the topic of plants oh, yeah, yeah. like in the spring and the summer i think my garden has come to a place where like i love it i'm very mm, proud yeah. of how beautifully arranged and grown right but there are times where i'll be like in the garden mm-hmm. and i will start feeling this feeling i'm like am i hungry what's wrong with me and it's because i actually long for people in it oh and that's something that i discovered once the garden came to a place where i was just like wow this is so nice mm-hmm. right yeah I was able to feel the restlessness in me that said, I really want people to be here. Yeah. And the greatest joy came when people were able to enjoy the beauty that was set. Yeah. So you could have the most beautiful garden. Yeah. Like we're in relationship. Like the plant is in relationship to everything around it. Mm And even to the people yeah. who experience it, right? So, yeah, going back to the plant. Mm. Actually, I was going to share that, but you brought it back. So oh. it helped me to remember. Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah, because you could be surrounded by so much beauty and so much greatness yeah. and wealth. If you can't share that with people, the loneliness will catch up to you. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I want to say one more thing Mm -hmm, um when we were just talking about you know it's not about building your life Mm. you know and keeping it to these two three friends you know and not having a growing mindset or open mindset about like how your world could expand Mm -hmm. you know the close people in my life are not people i expected would be in my life agreed me too yeah (laughs) and i think we would all say that in our community like right it's mm. just like and some people will even say like who i'm married to i'm just like how did that even happen but it did and i'm glad you yeah. know right people will say that you know those of you listening will say that it's like i'm really glad that we met at this time and mm. or we met or yeah. you know and i only say that because um and that's how i met sam too yeah. like when i met sam in college i was like Girls thought he was really, really, like, you know, cute or whatever. But I was just like, eh, I guess. But he's not my type, you know? Like, I was so, like, set on, like, what I thought I would want and need. Mm -hmm. But, boy, was I wrong. Yeah. So, and that's because I was so insular in the way that I thought I knew what I needed. And I was very closed off to, I don't know, beyond my... 19 year old mind like yeah. i'm so smart like my wisdom is just like a booger too i don't know like god's booger or I'll, yeah. i mean is it even worthy i don't know but you know what i mean yeah. like but i think sometimes we're just when we just think about our lives mm-hmm. and not what could be possible outside of what we can even see mm-hmm. i don't know you never know I think that's, I don't know, I guess that's, um, I don't know how that connects, but. Mm. <laughs> Something but, to look forward to, though. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why, like, building relationships, you know, because some of you have to meet people. And I'm not just talking <laughs> about, like, you know, significant other, yeah. but some of you are really searching for a good friend. Yeah. 
you know, one of my good college friends, um, she moved away. And but I remember our people, like all the intentional relationships, are the ones that are are um, of quality. Yeah, I would endure. say, huh? They endure. Yeah, yeah, they endure. Mm. They endure. Endure. <laughs> endure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are the ones, but also you're surprised sometimes. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking you might be surprised. Yeah. You know, about what could happen. I was yeah. definitely surprised. So. Yeah. So, it's not a call to just let's build my life, but it's a call to not be insular, right? Mm, yeah. Actually, it's a call not to be insular. Right. So you're blatant proximity. I mean. Right and mm. blatant sacrifice. Yeah. It's to come out of your own head and yourself, mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. be present for and with someone else, mm-hmm. and to give um, away or to give up time so that you're not in your own comfort of yeah. your own trajectory of what you think you right. need in the moment, mm-hmm. and to give up of that, and to and that's really what it means to sacrifice. Right. You lose a little. But it's so worth it. Yeah. So it's a call to so much more. Mm. Amen. It's true. So, yeah. So you might be in a place where you're struggling and you don't really have a first step. You can practice your need for um, people or support by even texting a prayer request Mm -hmm. and you know as someone who leads that i'll tell you anonymously i will tell you there are requests that come in where it might have been difficult for someone to express it Mm -hmm. but from being on the other hand you know hand of other end of knowing that these requests are actually very commonplace meaning you know, can you pray for me? Can you pray for my friend who is struggling yeah. mentally, um, emotionally? Like these requests are so common to say, not that they don't matter, but they are so welcome. So mm-hmm. if you need to like practice before you even talk to, you know, ask a friend to spend time or, hey, let's, you know, get together or whatever, um, you could actually text 5397 prayer. Mm-hmm. And just say, hey, can you pray for me that, and it could be, it could be like a win-win, like yeah. a practice of you actually saying what you need and two, um, we can pray for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I say we, but it's really anonymous. Like I, it's not that I know who you are or what, but I'm just saying it could be a really good place for you to receive prayer and also practice. Yeah asking for help or asking for time or Mm. asking for, Hey, can you take a moment and think about me and pray Mm. for me? So five, three, nine, seven prayer is a ministry that we have in our church where you Mm. can do that. And also, um, if any of these things resonate with you and you want to know more about any of it, um, cause we don't assume that just because we talk about it, that it's assumed to be understood by yeah, everyone, right. but, um, cause we only have about what an hour to be able to talk through. But if you want to know more about anything that we may have talked about and in the message as well, um, you can reach out to us via email at 180 churchpodcast at gmail.com.
So you could email us questions. You could email us um, comments, mm -hmm. feedback. Um, also, you could leave a review. Um, yeah, but yeah, these are ways that you could connect with us yeah. because we do want to, you know, connect with you. Yeah. So if you're listening and you want to know more about any of these things. And so um, I would, as we're ending, mm -hmm. I would like to refer you to our ministry time um, to pray with us together as we prayed on Sunday at church together. But yeah, like to pray through that time um, and to really take with you that you know, I hate, I don't know. I know it's an idiom and I have the thing with idiom. It's no. not literal. Yeah. It's supposed to mean something else, but I really, a nugget, like it's a weird thing to say. <laughs> like a golden nugget? Yeah, golden nugget, like a golden goose. I don't know. But anyway, it's a really great way if you listen to the ministry time. Mm -hmm. I promise you, oh, this is what they say in Europe and South Africa, which I love. They don't say take out and mm -hmm. it makes it sound like, oh, whatever. Just they say take away. <laughs> uh, they actually do yeah take away yeah they're like oh is this to for here or takeaway yeah. but yeah i would say yes um there's a great takeaway at mm. the end in the ministry time spiritually emotionally and i would say even physically yeah so um i want to refer you back to that as we close amen thank you pastor Lydia. thanks joe Just, for coming <laughs> yeah. and we'll see you guys next week Yes. Have a great week. Bye. Bye-bye. <clears throat> Father, we pray this afternoon for wisdom. Wisdom is one thing we lack in our generation. Wisdom to live our lives, God, that would optimize and maximize the greatest joy, not maximize the greatest misery. Oftentimes what we think will make us happy will make us move into a place of despair. But wisdom redirects our life and help us, helps us to begin to anchor our lives on things that will maximize, maximize our joy. Father, I pray for courage too. I pray for courage to be honest. I pray for courage to be known and to know others, to have fierce conversations so we can cry together, grieve together, but we can celebrate together. We want more.
Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv. 